When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, so um, I I I might be developing a like to um, rockabilly. I think. What is rockabilly? You ever seen Crybaby? No. Oh God, that's no. I nope. Okay, so okay, so it's like think of Elvis, but like more like Elvis, just a little bit more like punkish. I, hold on, I'm listening to Best Rockabilly right now. This isn't music. This is the background to every country western scene in a movie. Okay, so the rockabilly that you're listening to may not be exactly what I'm talking about, but oh, okay. I I've always heard of the band The Cramps, and the Cramps. I finally started listening to them uh, this uh-huh. past week. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, uh, there's a few songs off their 1990 album. I think it's called like Sick, Sick something. It's got okay. their bassist in like a bikini, like with like high heels on. But um, the song "Bikini Girls with Machine Guns" has been repeating in my head over and over again. It's like punk rockabilly. I, I, it's like as far as I know, that's what it sounds like. So but, punkabilly, punkabilly. Yeah, this yeah. is this is yeah. more punk than the thing I was just listening to. Okay. Oh, are you, are you listening to that song or are you? Yeah. Okay. Just wait till he gets to the chorus. Because when he says machine guns, he goes, guns, like they're like, nah. firing. There's something in there for a cold open, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about movies. Huh. This is Kenny from my brain. If you want to talk movies, well, guess what? We on the same thing. You got to watch, watch, watch. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, Ryan's having me watch more horror movies. I think I didn't get enough of that this weekend. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about the 2019 film Velvet Buzzsaw, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo. Uh, before we get into that, uh, yeah, I missed last week. How'd it go? Let's not tell him. Ryan, don't tell him. Let it be a mystery. Make okay, him I'm, listen to I, it. I am I am not doing this. It went well. <laughs> um, there was some technical difficulties, but I was able to get my internet back online, and I got back on. Um, Devin yeah. did a great job covering um, as a host. I don't know why I waved. So, I just waved. I felt like it was necessary. I did my normal role where I just kind of am, am part of the atmosphere. You, you show up. You show up. I show up. <laughs> I show up. <laughs> Listen, it was I, – I don't think that you've seen this movie, Alan. It was a heck of a movie. It wasn't what I was expecting at all with Lords of Salem. Well, it's what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's, let's talk about it a little bit because we had Josh on to talk about the Horrific Hope Film Festival, uh, yes. which is the reason I didn't watch anything new this weekend. Uh, I was at the Horrific Hope Film Festival. Got to meet a lot of cool filmmakers uh, and fans and uh, – People from victims who I've never met, like I met their editor in chief. I was like, "You're taller than I expected." So I always, always <laughs> ever see it. I always ever see Cam on uh, webcam. Um, but yeah, I got to see got to see a few of the shorts uh, and a feature 
which I think is right up your alley, Devin. So once, what once is I, it? It's called Searching for a Vessel Me, and it's a Norwegian uh, mockumentary making fun of true crime docs. What? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Is this is this the guy that flew in from Norway? Because Josh yes. was telling us about him. That's amazing. Yes. I have to watch this. They were delightful. Tom and Ian oh. were both delightful. Uh, it was it was a great time. Uh, my brother in law Solomon came out and helped out and nice. hung out. It was it was a great time overall. Uh, I got to see a few shorts, like I said, uh, and I got to see my first Rob Zombie movie, which was House of a Thousand Corpses. Hmm. Oh, Alan, yeah. how was it? I lived uh, as we walked out. Josh was like, so you're going to watch the sequels. I was like, they made sequels to that. <laughs> Hold on. What are they? I didn't know they made sequels. What are the sequels called? Is the it de- house of 2000 the corpses? Devil, the devil's rejects. Yep. Which I had heard of. Oh, and kind of knew that it was a sequel, but wasn't sure. And then mm-hmm. three from hell. Haven't heard of that one either. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to hurt Josh's feelings too much because I really bombed on this movie in front of him. But the reason why I've never, like, I told Josh that it was like, yeah, no, like, it's Rob Zombie's really not my guy. And it's because I saw House of a Thousand Corpses. And I realized, oh, I was like, yeah. I'm not watching another thing from this guy ever. And watching Lords of Salem just put the the dot on the end of that sentence of, yeah, no, I should have stayed away from everything else he made. <laughs> my my favorite bit about that was after a night after we recorded the podcast, Romana was like vaguely around during me watching Lords of Salem, and she's like, "What is this? Why is this so weird?" Uh, we were working out, and Dragula from Rob Zombie came on, and I went, "Hey, Romana, this guy directed the movie." She's like, "No, he didn't." It's like, no. yeah, this is the same one. This is what you do now: watch <laughs> Rob Zombie's monsters, but don't tell her it's Rob Zombie, and be like, "This is the oh, same guy." No. <laughs> Hold on, is Rob Zombie's Monsters actually good? Because I loved no. the Monsters growing up. Damn it. I, it's, I'm really if, mad if you about like, that. If you liked it growing up, I'm sure you'll like it because it's very much in that same vein. Okay, cool. Because um, that was like that was my show growing up. Yeah, it's not like Herman Munster bur- bursts through the door and like starts killing people with a chainsaw. Uh, oh, okay, although, good. Although, I'd watch that. Uh, I... <laughs> oh, but, at least he still bursts through the door. That yeah. was like childhood. Perfect. But like every year for um, the film festival, I came back with prizes and presents that we will be giving away on the show throughout the next year. Hopefully. What did you come back with? Um, Are we allowed think, to know? What do, you, what do you think I came back with? Take a guess, Devin. Corpse, what did I come corpse, back with? I've corpses. sent you pictures of some of the things I came back with. <laughs> what did I come back is, with? Devin? Is it the movie posters? I, I got some movie posters. I made oh. a friend with a projectionist at the Alamo Draft House. Well we, done. We, we had That's a 20 minute it. conversation about movie posters, and I educated him <laughs> on the Star Wars sequels uh, teaser posters because there's there's a Easter egg in the, there's like an Easter egg slash typo with them that if you put the Force Awakens po- teaser poster that just says Star Wars: The Force Awakens, uh, over the like the the stars like that's what the mm-hmm. poster is. They released the same one for the Last Jedi, but it says the Last Jedi. They they line up perfectly. The Rise of Skywalker poster, when you put them next to it, the text that says Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker is like two inches higher and a little bit smaller. 
And he had he had two posters in between the Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. But mm-hmm. he, he after I pointed out, he's like, "Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> That's ridiculous." But he showed me some of his personal collection that he had included in the walls. He's like, "I'm up here all the time. I wanted I wanted it to look good." Uh, yeah. So he had a Matrix Reloaded poster, which was pretty cool. He had a Return of the King double-sided poster that had just fallen and torn, and he was, like, heartbroken about it. Aw. But right now on my wall, I have the present he gave me, which was the teaser poster for The Flash with uh, The Flash in the Batcave with Michael Keaton's Batwing hanging. You showed me this one. It's it's amazing. Um, It is very cool. Does right. he have like as large a collection as you? Like, did you find a fellow like movie poster aficionado? If we're counting all the posters on those walls as his collection, his collection is way bigger than mine. Wow! Because okay. the ones that he gets in for the Alamo uh, just go up on the wall to decorate it because there's just black walls. So the walls are lined with movie posters so going back cool. to like 2008. What was the so. movie poster for the worst movie you saw? The Tell me worst Chile movie I saw? Oh, man. Um, You're asking the guy who doesn't like horror movies to name the worst movie he saw at a horror movie film festival. I, I well, That's fair. That's, that's fair. <laughs> um, oh, God. There was one. I was like, why would you hang that one up? But I can't remember what it was. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. If there's any of those where you're like, did um, you, did, that would not no, need to go to the bathroom. Those ones didn't stick out okay. to me. Those ones didn't stick out to me as much as the ones of, I want that poster. Like the chef, oh, the yeah. chef poster with John Favreau and the food truck. I want that. That's um, a good one. They, like every MCU poster. Um, we filmed a thing <clears throat> in the green room and I was like, maybe we shouldn't have that poster behind you, Josh, and just moved over a foot to the re- left um, and what cropped was- it out of it. Um, what was the poster? Don't worry about uh, Okay, great. Um, we won't talk about it. Uh, gross. But, yeah. Uh, it was a good time. Looking forward to it again next year. Uh, we were proud to be sponsors of it. And congratulations to the winner of the Freddy Krueger uh, new nightmare figure that we donated. Yeah. I uh, hope you enjoy it. And I'm really jealous, by to the, the way. Person who won to the, 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 the person who won the animated Beetlejuice that I bought on the way there. You're welcome to. Um, <laughs> where did you Where did you find that? You were just like, I have this now. I'm like, okay. We had some t- we had some time to kill before the film festival. Well, before dinner because we all met up for dinner beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Solomon and I went to the mall and just killed time and went into one of those game and toy stores and found that. So I was like, that's wow. kind of, that's kind of cool, and that that got a lot of tickets too. So. Yeah, that's very cool. Which one got more tickets? The the Beetlejuice or the Freddy? It was very close. Oh, I like that. Um, Good competition. Yeah. All right. I think that does it for we watched this because we, you guys told me you didn't watch anything. Uh, I I will be watching a lot this week uh, over on Brilliant But Lazy. Uh, Josh and I will be talking about the Mandalorian season finale, the Power Rangers special that comes out tomorrow, and then the Picard season finale, um, which Ryan knows. Because he was here when I put it out. Uh, if you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. If you know, I'd... you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nope, no idea. Literally uh, none. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Devin, you should watch season three of Picard. It's that simple. Maybe maybe watch more TNG or go back and watch the TNG movies if you don't want to dedicate yourself to the whole movie, whole, whole series. Now, listen, I, I mentioned this a little bit last time. I don't think Ryan's broken the news to you, but I just got Paramount+. Plus. I am now walking my way through things that I have missed. Okay. One of those things is Frasier. Uh, delightful. Absolutely delightful. Uh, and there's a lot, a lot of Star Trek on there. Yeah. All of the movies are on there. <sighs> if yeah. it happens to pop on, I won't be so mad. I just the, have to finish the, the season of Love is Blind. The important. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Put a pin in that for a second. We will. I do want to talk about that. Um, one of the best things about I like about Paramount Plus and why it's the app I go to on default now is because yep. it has the live channels. And I hope you have those over there, too. We do, yeah. We have the live channels like, as well. I, like if I can't f- decide what I want to watch. It's either – I can guarantee at night there's a Star Trek Next Generation episode <laughs> or <laughs> Frasier on. And I will just watch those. Um, the one day it was Frasier and I was able to go through my Frasier script book and – follow along with the episodes because it had like all the episodes from the book in order and i was like this is fantastic it's very fun all right so i want to talk about love is blind for a second here we go pulling the pin out because it, it, it made the news this week did about it the reunion about how bad the the issues were with it it's streaming yeah it was that, supposed to be a live reunion oh that's yeah what and that they ended up about. not yeah they ended up not going live did you try to watch it live or not I didn't know. Uh, I was busy during that time. But you know what? I'm proud of us for doing this, and they couldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better than Love is Blind. I saw a notification from the BBC that, like, there was some event on Netflix that was supposed to go live, and, like, there were major disruptions. And I'm like, that's weird for the BBC to talk about this. I wonder what that was about. And I just ignored it. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's it's about Love is Blind. Not, not only... Uh, can we live stream like like Netflix can't? But now, like Ryan and I can also like exchange DVDs, unlike Netflix, because they just canceled that service now too. Wait, is that? I thought that was done for years. They they still had it, but they're closing it down finally. Um, oh man, Devin, uh, you're in trouble. You you watched the D and D movie and you didn't bring it to the show. You you watched it already, and we already talked about well, it. We could talk about what you thought of it. Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? It's not. It's not the just. What did Alan think of the thing he saw in theaters? Show. I didn't want to repeat this for a bit. Listen, okay. I love this movie. Okay. No, this movie was wonderful. It, it was so much fun. Did chat get me in trouble? By the yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, hi, chat. Thanks for <laughs> getting me in trouble. I loved the D and D movie. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I think the absolute best part of it was was Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. I mean, hands down. The, like, the whole cast was really good, and it took me until a day after I watched the movie to realize that the tiefling was the girl from It. Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. realize that during the time. Apparently the horns just completely threw me off her scent. So one of the things, one of the posters I got at the Alamo this weekend was the D&D poster. Oh, um, that's so cool. And I was going to keep it. Cam, who was there working working the event, he did the Brilliant But Lazy With Me where we talked about Dungeons and & Dragons. And he's he oh, plays yeah. D&D. And I was like, do you want this? Like, He's like, yeah, I'll take that. So, Aww. 
Well, the thing I liked about the movie is it focused a lot less on what people think. I okay, I'll just put this to me. What people think I like about D and D, I don't like the lore. I don't like. It's not that I don't like it. I don't care about it. I don't care about the lore. I don't care that Waterdeep is actually technically eight point seven miles away from Frog. I don't really care. Uh, what I care about is the fun that happens, and this movie just kind of used D&D as, like, the backdrop, like, these places that you know if you've played the games as a backdrop for, like, just a very fun movie. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I like in, if I've, I, I don't play D&D often, but if I ever play it, it's more the fun that I remember and, like, oh, remember this joke or this silly thing than, like, I remember this villain came from the eighth circle of, del- I don't care. I don't care about that. Nice. Ryan, will you see the D and D movie? Can we convince eventually. you now? Eventually, yeah, eventually. I, mean, okay. I will eventually. I it's just not right now. <laughs> Have any of you ever played D and D? Am I the only one? I've played the Star Wars equivalent of it. I'm trying to think of a funny. I, I got nothing on that. No joke. Um, I think there's... I have maybe once or twice. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Did uh, you yeah. love it? I. I'm debating whether or not it like it was a tabletop game. Regardless, I don't know if mm-hmm. it was Dungeons and Dragons esque, but it was a tabletop game. Yeah, that's fair. It's totally fair. All right. Uh, on that note, Ryan, did you go to the movies and see anything recently that you're, <laughs> that you're not telling us about? Chat and tell us about. <laughs> I didn't go to the movies to see anything, but I I I, I finally watched the 2015 remake of Poltergeist. I'm sorry to hear that. Let's move on to today's news. <laughs> it's actually it... not bad. Okay. It's not yeah. bad. I mean, I, I do not recommend anyone who has never seen the original to watch it. Okay. Because Have you seen the original? I no. love the original. Have you seen it, Alan? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. Well, that's going on the list now, too. Um, yeah, if you've seen the original and you watch the remake it's pretty much just like oh look they're really doing a good job mirroring the original one and then you and then you throw a comedic actor in there to play the father and it turns kind of into a lighthearted comedy so yeah. i enjoyed it weird right. cool uh let's move on to today's main topic the 2019 <laughs> film velvet buzzsaw starring jake gyllenhaal tony collette and renee russo okay and john malkovich <laughs> mm-hmm it's good. You okay. need to keep that up. Yeah. So, this is a movie that I'd never heard of before. And Kristen, it was one of those movies that Kristen was like, hey, I watched a movie. I think you'll like this. And this normal routine that she does that I've been explaining. And I'll just cut down to how she sold me on it. And I was like, well, what's it really about? Because I'm like, art, horror? I'm like, that's not really that's really not that interesting to me and she goes you like the menu right and i was like yeah and she's like it's the menu for art critics I'm like yes so i watched it um no, she's not wrong no she's not wrong um so like i said i had no idea about this movie until recently um i was debating whether or not i wanted to be this like i you know like we watch this segment or if i just wanted you guys to watch it and i just mm-hmm. opted on having you guys just watch it um I went uh, I went to a Votech when I was in high school, and I took uh, graphic design commercial art classes. And I've always been interested in the art spectrum. Um, so the whole art critic thing is, to me, kind of like, when you get to this level that this movie depicts, it's kind of a joke to me. 
because again it's like the whole food critic thing it's like it's i get that people like want to know that in depth about stuff and you know for selling and this and that but to me it's just like come on you're you're acting like a fool um and i just i loved the classic supernatural horror in this um and i thought you guys would benefit from watching it either one way or the other um so i enjoyed it it's not the best horror movie i've seen but it definitely has a unique uh feel to it uh that i would recommend to anyone who's interested in horror so who wants to go first on your guys first little blurb about it uh i'll go first because i I missed a week um Next year, when we have the horror, horrific hope film festival, let's not do a horror movie. Alan needs a break <laughs> after after the horror. I can only do so much horror, guys. Um, it's, it's my choice next, right? Because you'll be yes. you'll be getting a break. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it was fine. I didn't. I knew about this movie. Like I remember when it, the trailer came out. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a horror movie though back then. Um. So I enjoyed parts of it. I don't want to say that I hate the the art critic world when we're going to be sitting here talking about art and critiquing it, because uh, um, that's kind of what we do, dude. Uh, but you no, guys but, are critics. I'm just explaining my opinion. I'm just explaining. <laughs> my opinion. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought this was interesting. Uh, I wasn't excited for it until I saw the director's name. I think mm. he was the writer too, Dan Gilroy. Because uh, I looked him up and I saw something on his IMDb. I was like, oh, now I'm intrigued. Um, and if you look at his IMDb, he wrote for Andor. Did he write uh, like the good episodes everyone loves? No, he wrote the, the episodes that that are like the heist episodes. Oh, but, that's cool. But they're still good. Like, like that show overall is is fairly strong. So, mm. um, but yeah, and that's my thought of of it. It, it. it was good. It was okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, for me, the I love the cast. I love the cast. I love the fact that Tony Collette, John Malkovich, and Davi Diggs are in a movie together. Uh, it's just. It just it, it it charmed me so much. I could have watched probably like three hours of Jake Gyllenhaal just being sassy in front of different paintings. <laughs> like I didn't even need the rest of the movie. I I was fine with the first bit. I firmly don't believe this is a horror movie. Like in the same way that I would never like describe the menu as a horror movie to someone. Okay. And now that now that I I know that your wife called it the menu, but for art critics, yeah. Because I'm thinking about the movie after I watch it. Like, this movie has the same opinion of modern art that I do. And I like I like where it lands in its message on, like, the meaning of art and why people do it and what the industries become. Like, yeah. I think yeah. that's what I took away from the movie more than, like, wasn't it cool that time that person died? <laughs> Which is, like, what I take away from most horror, most other horror movies. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, that's where... Jake Gyllenhaal's character is what sold me on this as well. And when I was doing research on this, I found out that the director handed him the script and Mm -hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal came up with everything about this character 
Wow. When it, and the director let him have it. Like, just, like, create the, the, the character's walk, the way he talks, even down to a car he drove in the wow. movie. They let him pick. Um, and I actually, uh, his character, um, his character is one of my two favorites in the movie, simply because of his, like, like, I hate using this term, but it's the only thing I can think of right now. Like coming mm-hmm. to Jesus moment. Like he actually okay. has that in this movie yeah. where he realizes, you know, crap, like I love art and I've just been destroying it my entire <laughs> career. And now because I'm involved in this industry, that's basically like, that's basically turned art into, in, in into this weird stock market. Like, I've got to, you know, try to save my life. And he ends up getting, and this movie's been out for, 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 uh, uh, since, uh, for about four years, it's got under a six point, uh, it's got a 5.7 on IMDb. So I'm just going to get right into spoilers on this one. If if you guys are okay with that. Um, go for it, man. Okay. So, and he ends up getting killed by a piece that he critiques at the very opening of the movie, which I loved that. I love the way that that worked and I love the way that that balanced out. Um, a person that I was not expecting in, uh, to see in this, and I do not know her name, even though I probably should, um, is the actress from, uh, uh, stranger things. Oh, which uh, that came Natalia out in 2016 Dyer. and hang on. Yeah. I've got my years yeah. crossed with a different movie, but yeah. Um, so I was happy to see that she's, you know, taking roles like this and trying to branch out from the whole like stranger things character that she's pretty much known for. I like it when I see actors do stuff like this. So meanwhile, Billy Bobby Brown is just getting married to Bon Jovi's. So yeah, she's going to be part of your family. Do you know that? Yeah. Like extended family. Like it's out there. Invite, invite her on this. Yes. I think we'll be able to get her with our 10 views per episode. I think we will a hundred percent. We will. (laughs) So this this Ryan reminded me of something that Netflix do, did. This okay, is there was okay. an era of Netflix, right? Where Netflix almost acted like Disney Channel in the early 2000s, where there were like Netflix stars that you would see kind of popping up in different in different like Netflix originals, and I think they were doing that with Natalia Dyer in this cuz this is a Netflix original. She was also on um Stranger Things. And she was on a couple of other things as well. And they did this also with, uh, it was the lady from Hill House. If you guys have seen that, it's Victoria Pedretti. Yeah. She's in a lot of Netflix stuff as well. And you could tell that Netflix was very much like, okay, here are our people. We're going to get them in a lot of things. And I feel like they've put a stop to that recently. And that's a shame because I like those actors. Netflix as a whole is changing how they do things. Uh, they're cutting back on their spending. Uh, so you're going to see a lot less Netflix originals. Uh, the other thing that they're doing is they just ordered their first pilot. Usually with Netflix, it's straight to series orders, but they ordered a pilot and are doing a pilot season this year. So interesting. I mean, maybe they should, because there were so many that they just go straight to series and then end after series, like season one. And we're like, well, what was the rest of this? Why did we watch this? Uh, the other Netflix connection for me was uh, Tom Sturridge, who plays Don John Don Don, uh, 
in this. Oh um, yeah. yeah. He's Sandman. He's Morpheus, so He is, that's right. Which is the only yeah. thing I've seen him out seen him in outside of Sandman. So <laughs> <laughs> Well so I'm I, glad that I could expand the horizon for that for, for, for that actor for you, Alan. It's very rare that I'm the one doing this. It's very <laughs> rare that <laughs> And then so there's I John have... Malkovich. Oh, he's, what a what a treasure of a man. What did you think? Okay, so one of the aspects of this movie, and this gets to John uh, Malkovich's character, plus um, the actor, uh, Devin, you named him, the one that was part of the art collective. That would be Diggs. Yeah. So those two characters in this movie, I loved the just position between them and the art dealers and how the pieces from this D's this Valdez character, um, this guy that made these paintings, um, and that's a real name, by the way. I, I've got a little thing to explain about that. Um, okay, good. That's a real person's name. But anyway, uh, this Valdez character, he made these art pieces. He was trying to destroy them before he died. He failed. He died before he could destroy them. And a character finds the pieces, finds out that they're going to get destroyed. She steals them and takes them to another character who puts them into circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the reaction of the true artists were truly touched and affected by the pieces. They didn't care about the financial value of the pieces. It, it, it inspired them to get back into uh, their style of art or just get back to working on the pieces and it positively affected them but everyone who tried to um gain by these pieces financially were all killed off by we're going to assume the spirit of the insanity of valdez because of the time he spent like an insane asylum he was abused as a child um they they allude that he had killed people that he'd worked with but they can never prove it um and that uh, they were going to out this information and completely disvalue the artwork because nobody would have wanted it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 Von Don character, um, yeah. he's the first one to go. And at the very beginning of this movie, uh, during the opening credit scenes, they show like a bunch of like live art. And in that live art in the opening is three deaths of the three main people that die. As far as I'm concerned, the three main people that die throughout the movie. And he's the first one that they show in that art scene of like the, the art style of showing how they die. Um, I thought it was great that like, you've got a character that's so vain and so focused on money, and he dies technically in a dingy attic. I just thought that was perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of, now to trail back, because I kind of went on a tangent there a little bit, what did you guys <laughs> think of how they portrayed, how, 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 how the different characters reacted to the art? Devin, go ahead. Okay, so, I mean, it's really like, I mean, it, the movie definitely comes down with an opinion on how art should be appreciated. The, the people that looked at the art and went, 
I see meaning behind this. It has positively impacted my life or it has impacted me in some way, shape, or form. And I understand the art behind the art had good things happen to them. The people that were like, ooh, money, 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 like had bad things happen to them. And I mean, that was the, I mean, that was like all the commentary in the movie there. And I loved that because, like, you know, it's, you're like, I was at an art gallery not too long ago. And I like, you can only emotionally connect with so many paintings before you're like, all right, it's a landscape. All right, it's another landscape. (laughs) All right, it's a third landscape. Like, I, I don't have enough emotions in me to emotionally connect with every single piece of art. So I, I love the fact that they highlighted that, like, that's what art's supposed to do for you. And it's not supposed to be something where you're like, oh, it's pretty. It goes on my wall. It makes it so it's not bare and empty and white like this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I appreciated the different takes on it because each personality in here is different, whether it's Natalie Dyer, who, who is like the the assistant who ge- keeps going around from person to person to person as they, everyone dies. I probably <laughs> was expecting it to be her behind the whole thing. At the, oh, that's the my headcanon. Um, <laughs> Stupid but, Michiganders. Yeah. I like how the film takes that stance against the, the art for art's sake and the, the, art for money stance because it's like Devin you talked about like looking at different paintings and not get it like not getting this an emotional reaction out of all of them like mm-hmm. I feel like the same could be said for movies like I'm not going to emotionally connect to everything like I definitely did not emotionally connect in a positive way to House of a Thousand Corpses but I saw <laughs> it and I can I can appreciate the work that went into it like I can appreciate Rain Wilson in that um we but it doesn't have to. It's not something I'm going to hang on my wall. But there, there are things that I do emotionally connect with, like Spider-Man Two, that I will <laughs> hang on my wall, um, or that I'm looking forward to, like The Flash, or that my wife's wife wife likes, like Batman Returns, that I can <laughs> see behind my my screen here. Um, so yeah, like like for me, like the the emotional connection to art is through movies. Like that's. And that's how I decorate. Like my office is full of movie posters because that's the art that I like. Like it reminds me of those movies. I'll look at a Banshees of Irish Sharon poster and be like, I like one, it looks pretty because it's got the ocean. I don't have any windows. And two, <laughs> it's a nice, it's a, it's a well done poster. It's not like Photoshopped heads on on a poster it's like it's a, a still and it, it it's composed well like you, i can appreciate the movie poster art for what it is and and still and have that connection to the film itself so well okay. i there's a lot of discourse around this and i wonder what you guys' take is on it where like there in in this movie addressed it a little bit where they were like this is like real art like this is raw and like it's it's present and I feel like in, in our movie critic community, sometimes people get that, and I definitely had it in my younger days, where the big blockbusters, because they're big blockbusters and because they were made to make money, inherently can't be as valuable as a student art film or an art house movie because those weren't made to make money. They were made to be real and raw and convey something and therefore were more valuable than in Avengers, and 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 I feel like we're hearing some of this discourse now. Do you guys agree with that? 
I mean, I don't is is where I land on it. I think that an Avengers movie can be just as impactful and valuable to you as an art piece as, you know, 28 seconds of a cockroach. For the listener at home, I'm pointing to my Spider-Man 2 poster. Like, yes. <laughs> really, Sp- all the answer we need. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man 2 can't, like, yes, it was made to make more money, but it doesn't do the thing where it's like, we're going to put all of these villains in here to sell toys. That Spider-Man 3 does. Because uh, you get Sandman, <laughs> you get Venom, and you get New Goblin. And it, they're all there to sell toys. Um, the Transformers movies are notorious for that. Like, there are there are those franchises that they're not going to get much art out of. But at the same time, like, to make Optimus Prime, you have to have so many artists to do that. So, there, it, like, it's not going to be fine art. It's not going to be, like, fine dining. But sometimes all you want is a cheeseburger from McDonald's. Or a chicken nugget. That's fair, man. That's a good analogy. Yeah. You feel that same way, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I fall down on that. I mean, what, one of my favorite cartoons as a kid was the Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. the original series. And that only existed for them to sell toys. <laughs> Flat out. Like, ha- have you this, wa- is why they, this is why they made that, because they wanted to sell these action figures. I'm holding Michelangelo right now. Um... <laughs> They wanted to sell figures, and the and the best way to do that was to have a cartoon, GI Joe, all that stuff. And was it like, were there other shows on for kids that probably would be a lot better for them? Yes, you found them on PBS. But anyway, um, <laughs> those I would say were actual art, like art as in like show media type thing. Artists had to draw these turtles and soldiers and all these other things. So, like Alan said, like, there is art going in it, but at the end of the day, it's, like, art that's mass-produced or art that's actually, like, it's supposed to be, like, conveying meaning. And it's, like, well, there's room for both. Like, there's room for both for people to enjoy. So, that's my thing. And I don't think mass-produced art doesn't necessarily convey meaning. Um, Did I say that? Kind of. No, I mean, it... I mean, we, we've all been kind of alluding towards it. Yeah. So, like, you get this this in the in the actual art community. You get this thing of, like, do you have the original or do you have a print? And, like, oh, if it's a print of Van Hoff's Starry Night, for example, it's, you know, oh, well, that's something that everyone's got. I've got it on one of my credit cards. Therefore, it's not as valuable of a piece of art. But it can still have meaning for you, I think. Yeah, like, this thing here. I'll just... That is art. You can't. You can't say that it's mass-produced art. This is, this is just a print. Like, this is not original from the movie or anything, but it looked cool, so I bought it. This, on the other hand, the Spider-Man 2 poster behind me, for movie posters, that would be considered art because it's double-sided. It's the original theatrical poster that you would see at the theater, and mm-hmm. they, they do reprints of them. Um that are single sided and you can buy that are mass produced that I have a few of, or like the, but that's the original, like that's the, yeah. Okay. Well, and that's... I, 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 I have a weird combination of the two as well. So go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not what I was trying to say. Yeah. Like <laughs> what I meant by the difference between like mass produced and not like mass produced is just, trying to put them in two separate camps because even though like 
like Devin was saying, like a like an art house film, I'm not going to put in the same category as a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Can somebody find as much meaning in Endgame as they can in like in some art house movie? Yes, they can. It's just the assumption is that one is inherently more than the other, and it's a wrong perception. It... <sighs> And I think it, it it's unfair to compare a movie like Velvet Buzzsaw to Avengers Endgame. Um, I think because, I think what I'm ultimately go ahead. Well, mm-hmm. I'm trying I'm trying to think the best way to put this. Yeah. With Avengers Endgame, like Endgame in particular, you have ten years of movies before that that build mm-hmm. up to this thing, so you have that connection with those characters. You know who Tony Stark is. You know who Captain America is. You know who Peter Quill is. Like you know who all these characters are. So you're getting the the emotional benefits of those connections that you've built over ten years. Whereas with Bu- Velvet Buzzsaw, it's like, oh hey, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, <laughs> oh hey, Tony Collette. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's like it's a when you compare it from like you have all the baggage of a series. Compared to a standalone film, there, there, there's going to be a little bit of a difference there with how you connect to it. 100% behind you yeah. on that statement. Uh, I think okay. what I'm ultimately saying here, guys, is that <laughs> some people can read War and Peace and come away thinking it's a simple adventure story. Others can read the ingredients on a chewing gum wrapper and unlock the secrets of the universe. Okay, okay. so, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was for Alan, by the way. That, that <laughs> was... <laughs> you, know, you know what today is, right? No, what's today? Today is the Superman anniversary. <gasps> I'm so, so glad I did that. I, I, I wish I had moved my Superman poster behind me for today, but the Spider-Man analogy worked very well for today's it conversation. Did. So, okay, <laughs> um, okay, so uh, yeah, so t- to me, the the catalyst on the whole artist seeing the art and the people mm-hmm. being killed off because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to sell it like pieces of stock. Mm-hmm. Um, is the very end where yeah. they show, uh, um, the one artist just making circles in the sand with a stick mm-hmm. because he's doing it for himself. Like the one lady also has like a realization moment. The one that this movie is basically named after velvet buzzsaw, mm-hmm. um, where she tells him, look, you go to my beach house and you just make art for yourself and just do it for you. I don't care about anything else. Like we've been friends and you don't see him again until like the credits. And I was actually wondering about him at the end of the movie. Like, well, what happened to him? Did he just go off? Like what happened? And then he's like, Oh, he's happy. He's just making circles. He's making circles (laughs) in the sand. Um, yeah. And that's where the, there's a, this whole conversation boils down to what Devin said at the beginning is like, this movie had a very straight, straightforward premise. Mm -hmm. Um, now to get to a fan theory that I have, um, the stranger things actress, Mm -hmm. I feel like there is a connection here because she was the last person to see the people before they die. And she's the one that realized, you know, not in the one case, but she's the first one to find them pretty much in every uh um in every step now i don't know if like she was supposed to be like the one dragging the plot along (laughs) like the connected tissue between everything because she works for the three different art uh for the two different art dealers she works Mm -hmm. for them and then she ends up working for jake julenhall's character towards the end Mm -hmm. um 
So there's, I I like to think that there is a connection between her and what's going on. I'm not sure exactly what it is yet. My mind hasn't hasn't made a, a drastic connection yet, but it might at some point. <laughs> Here, here's a theory for you. In the 1980s, she lived in a town in Indiana where a lot of yep. weird shit happened. On yeah. board. I'm 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 not bringing Stranger Things into this. She, she it's too much was, of a it's too easy. It's too she easy. She was the descendant of the guy who killed the original witches in Salem. Is that the right? So the, right movie? the, the <laughs> car that Don John was driving um, is a 1971 Centron. Okay. And perfect pick for a character that is completely vain. Just saying right now. These I, are the Ryan I, facts that I like, because that sentence made zero sense to me. Tell okay. me anything okay. about that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So a Centron is a French make car. The car that he was driving is very, very rare. And oh, wow. fits a character that is completely vain like he is. The whole like, you know, like we have analytics. Mm-hmm. We make sure that every artist gets the mo- gets like the most profit for, you know, all all of this other stuff. So, of course, a guy like that is going to drive around a museum piece of automotive history um, as his daily driver <laughs> in L.A. Um, there's that That's part totally of that fair. character. What, me, what, did, yeah. what did Jake Gyllenhaal pick as his car? I need it was to know Mini now Cooper. that you brought it up. Is that a good choice? For him, yeah. For, for his character, for everything, I, I thought it was perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, so can I, can I ask a question yes? quick? Yeah, go ahead. When you think Jake Gyllenhaal, what's the first movie you think of that's not this? My memory is really bad right now, so I'm, 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 this is all I can think of at the okay. moment. That's fine. <laughs> Devin, how about you? Yeah. It's it's Donnie Darko. Okay. For me, it's it's Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Really? Yeah, because I don't really know if I, I've seen Jake Gyllenhaal in much else. Have like, you I've seen never Nightcrawler? Seen, I've never seen Nightcrawler. I've never seen Donnie Darko. Hmm. Yeah. There was a boxing movie with him too that I saw and liked. Left Paul. Left Southpaw. South, Southpaw. That's it. Yeah. Southpaw. Southpaw was good. Yeah. I think I saw it because it was filmed in Pittsburgh. But... And I ne- and I never saw Brookback Mountain. So. No, I didn't either. <gasps> it's coming to the West End. I can't wait to see it. There you go. The play. Yeah. I. It's a. It is a play with music. It's not a musical. It's a play with music. So they play with music. It's got to be that. It's got. Okay. It, it's got to be. It goes on, and there's some sad cowboy in the back with a guitar, and that's all that happens. Okay. So, cool. <laughs> we covered the meaning of this movie and that type of stuff. So let's just get into the like typical horror movie stuff that mm-hmm. some people only care about. What was your favorite artisan death? <laughs> Oh, it was it was Velvet Buzzsaw because I felt that. Yeah, okay, like my cool. I, I I did this after I watched her go because she gets like like her her tattoo on the back of her neck is in the shape of a buzzsaw and yeah. ostensibly it cuts all the way through her neck and while it was going I was like rubbing the back of my neck going. <laughs> For me, it's a toss up between the robot and the giant silver bean thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because well, I, what I like about yeah. what I like about the the bean thing is you have her dead body laying there, and kids come in through the t- the tour at the <laughs> museum and just think it's part of the art piece and yep. start playing in her blood. I'm like, 
that's messed up. But yeah. I'm here for it. Like, yeah, that, it, it, that would that would be considered art. Like, there's that. It reminded me of that robot that's uh, function is to pull the hydraulic fluid back towards itself so it can keep going, and it just does that endlessly. It's always cleaning up the mess, but it will never be clean because it just keeps spilling. That is horrific. Yeah, it eventually died too. Yeah, like it was a one-time wow. piece that it eventually ran out of fluid because it couldn't keep up yeah well now i I'm think sad. it lasted for a few months it lasted for a few years i think oh okay Ooh. yeah so yeah and that gets to and you wonder why my... people are upset about ai like yeah 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 um that gets to uh that moment with the kids coming in and everyone thinking that her armless body in a pool of blood with blood sprayed all over the place was part of the art exhibit there's a second part of that joke in this movie, and yes, it's a joke, um, where the guy that drives the Centron, the 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 tool, for lack of mm-hmm. a better term, um, he walks into the one artist's uh, studio and just sees a pile of trash bags in the middle of the floor and goes up to it and goes, this is amazing. This is great work. And he just looks back and goes... That's garbage. <laughs> it's, it's not the art. Um, my favorite one is probably the most, is probably the weirdest. And it's the wannabe art dealer. She gets stuck in the graffiti in the wall. Yeah. Because it was just like, it makes, it brings the supernatural element in the movie to an extreme that doesn't even make sense for me. Like, I get that. <laughs> Like, I get that, and in the movie, I didn't say this, but he, he was using his own blood for, like, the really, really dark reds in the paintings. Yeah. Um, and so that supposedly is what makes any art around his pieces come to life. So it's not just mm-hmm. his pieces, it's any piece of art can come to life. Um, and it was like, I get it. Like, the one guy gets pulled into the art by the monkeys, like, he gets killed by the monkeys working on the car she you know you've got the one character gets her arm ripped off by the silver bean where you're supposed to put your arm in and feel stuff and you know all of that kind of makes sense this though stretches belief in in this movie to a point where she's waiting for a tow truck and the graffiti behind her opens up into an art gallery and Mm -hmm. she turns around and goes obviously it wasn't there before she would have noticed it was there before and stupidly goes in anyway and is going around, and as she's passing these graffiti art pieces inside the, this fake art gallery, the paint bleeds mm-hmm. and attaches to her and literally absorbs her to the point where they show it later that there's like a ghost image of her in the graffiti in the wall screaming. It was really cool and very yeah. unique for a horror movie. Yeah, but like I said too, and I'm pretty sure you guys would, would agree with this, that was probably the biggest stretch in the movie for like the powers that the paintings had i'm not sure well maybe you guys don't have that same opinion but no i think that's fair i I mean yeah going by the logic of the movie yeah i would say that is the 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 most sci-fi-esque of the of the kills yeah um because the first one is pretty much just jumanji so (laughs) it is it really is though yeah yeah the first Um, one is jumanji so this begs the question then: If you guys could get pulled into any art piece in the world, what would it be? Uh, I have my answer right. Is it, is it the Spider-Man Two poster? <laughs> okay. So 
mine is, and I forget the name of the artist, and I feel bad about it, but um, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, his friend stares at the little boy in the painting mm-hmm. of the people in the park by the lake. That one. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that called? Saturday Afternoon in the Park? It's Isn't it Sunday in the Park? Isn't that a Monet? Yeah, I think it is Monet. Oh, yeah, no, it is a Monet. Because it's really nice when you're far back, but it's just a big old mess when you get up close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I Devin, want you to I'm know sorry. that you're all, you're all wrong. All of your answers are not correct. The correct answer is Coolidge's 1984 The Poker Game. With the dogs playing poker, that's I'm the not, only right answer I'm to not this playing question. Po- uh, uh, I'm Listen, not, how are they holding sorry, those cards? I'm, they don't have thumbs. I'm automatically I, not liking it because you didn't get my uh, clueless reference, so I'm just. I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I would yeah. much rather get pulled into the uh, Star Trek versions of that, where it's the next gen crew playing poker around the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's fair. Okay, so uh, my last thing mm-hmm. about this movie. Um, it has, has, has to do with just the way that this movie, the name of the movie and the tattoo on her neck and how she dies. Um, I would argue that the main character in this is the main art dealer, um, which is the lead actress, I believe. What, uh, Devin, you named, um, Alan, you named her when we started the episode. Rene Russo? Rene Russo. Yeah. I believe, yeah. Um, she plays the main art dealer. Um, that everyone else kind of goes to because she's the one that's been doing this the longest. They mentioned that she was in a punk band back in the early 80s, and she gave that up to become an art dealer because that she went she went to school for art. Um, and the name of her band was Velvet Buzzsaw, and they show on two occasions the tattoo on the back of her neck at the start mm-hmm. of the film that says Velvet Buzzsaw, and the one time they, you know, focus in on it. Um, and I love the fact that before, like, towards the middle half, like, the tail end of the middle half of the movie, they show a piece of art in her bedroom that she, like, gets freaked out by and, like, takes off the wall of a woman sitting cross-legged with a cat next to them with shadows in front of uh, in front of her, and it's the exact... The image on the painting is the exact scene they show right before the tattoo on the back of her neck starts to spin. Yeah. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, one I never of the things that connection. I, yeah, one of the things I did not do for this movie was look up meaning, because I loved the whole art fa- um, um, f- like facet of this, yeah. and art is supposed to be the way you interpret it on yourself. That's what makes... Arguably, you can make anything art as long as someone can get their own feeling and meaning towards mm. it. So, uh, well, on that note, I did look. I did look up some trivia for this, and uh, okay. Dan Gilroy said, uh, was asked by Vanity Fair what he wants audiences to take away from the film. He said, "I hope people look at art slightly in a slightly different way. Anytime you listen to a piece of music, or look at a sculpture, or a painting, or a film, you realize that the artist behind that." have invested what I believe to be their creative soul into their work. To me, that's a bit of a sacred thing. And I think we've lost that a little bit. I would love it if we would, if we could return to that. So acknowledging the, the art that goes into art, like the, the effort and like to get meta for a second, it like the, this podcast isn't just us talking like it, does take some effort on our mm-hmm. part to put together like we're dedicated not only dedicating time to watch the movies but we're like at least on my end i'm getting everything together 
uh, making memes, art for the show, editing it together and putting it out there. So it, it does take a, a part of me to do. And like, I don't like, I usually don't ask Devin and Ryan for mu- much of it uh, unless I'm not going to be here. Cause I can handle it all, but it, it does take some time. And there, there are days where I'm just like, I, I need a, a break. I almost, I almost just didn't come on the show today. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> almost was like, I, I, I'm just exhausted. I need a break, but uh, even little things, anything you consume, like there's effort put into that. So always, always remember that. Well, and that's, yeah. it's a good, such a good thing to remember. Cause you get these like movies and people are like, it's a hacky movie. It's awful. It's like, there are also people that dedicated real time, real effort into making this thing that you then just completely dismissed. Yeah, and I feel like her character then, after he said that, I feel mm-hmm. like her character is a perfect analogy for that statement he gave to Vanity Fair because she was in a punk band in the early 80s that was notorious for, you know, a certain culture, a certain outlook, certain ideals, and then she sold out. Yeah. She sold out and went corporate. And they refer back to that a few times where the where the artist from The Collective... Um, he even mentions that he's uh-huh. like, yeah, no, your early work was great, but then you started caring too much about like what people think. Like that's pretty mm-hmm. much what he told her. And she was like, yeah, I've heard that before. I don't care. Yeah, It's the best way to think about it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I thought this movie was interesting. Yeah. I figured you guys would like Jake Gyllenhaal's performance at least if you didn't like the actual movie. Um, Listen, Ryan, and... I like the movie. I'll, yeah, I'll, no. I'll give you a hug next time. I liked it. Okay, well, uh, uh, I'm happy. I figured a movie yeah. like this w- w- would have been better in this type of a, a context than me just going, yeah, I saw this movie about a horror movie about supernatural art that kills people. It was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah. all that's right. all I really have. Uh, so next week it'll be Devin's pick. Devin, what are you having us watch? And I have a confession can, can, to make. Can, can, can I... Okay, go ahead. No, no, what, what were we going to say? I, I, say, I think I know what genre you're picking from, because I heard a little what bit jo- of last week's show. What genre am I picking from? Is it, is it a Western? No. Oh, no, okay. it's not. Never mind. Listen, guys, I have two things to say. First off, I lied at the beginning of We Watch This. I didn't watch. I did, in fact, watch something. In fact, I watched two somethings, and I'm going to make you watch one of them and optionally two of them next week. It is arguably... The show that we've been building up to for years. It is Sir Nicolas Cage's favorite movie. Guys, next week we're doing Paddington 2. Optionally Paddington 1 if you want to. Okay. (laughs) I'll allow it. I can't. I cannot wait for you guys to watch this movie. I can't wait to hear what you think. Okay. Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) so different it'll blow your mind i i I know it's not i know it's not devin i know that winnie the pooh's yellow and wears a red shirt paddington bear wears a blue hat they are completely different people so different those shirts are different and and they're not even people i mean they're 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 stuffed bears and one of them cares about honey the other one cares about marmalade Totally different food okay. groups, all right? Save it for oh, next week, gonna guys. Be a great yeah, we will. Save we will. It for next week. <laughs> uh, until next time, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe <laughs> to our YouTube channel, listen to all of our podcast podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and until next time, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. 
And I'm Devin. And we will see you next week.